certain nicknames the male Mona Lisa for the sort of enigmatic smile on the face of the subject. Salvatore Mundi translates as the savior of the world. The savior of the world. And it is now officially the world's most expensive piece of art. As I said, it was painted uh, around 1500. And uh, just about that time, uh, just over the Alps, there was a young monk in Germany who was formulating his own ideas about salvation. He was creating ideas that when they germinated and took root, would actually transform the whole intellectual landscape of Europe forever. Now, tradition has it that Martin Luther, he was the young monk, pinned a series of uh, 95 objections that he had against the Catholic Church's abuse of money and power. He pinned them to the cathedral door in Wittenberg. The reality is, that, by the way, was in 1517 and uh, around the world, the Protestant church, at least the protesting church, as it were, was celebrating the 500th anniversary of that alleged act. Well, I think the reality is that uh, some years before that, Luther had been working through and incubating his own ideas around salvation. He may even have been thinking about salvation at the same time as Leonardo was painting this exquisite masterpiece. And Luther's thinking went like this. He was a monk. He, he, he abstained from many of the fleshly pleasures that we've been hearing about and uh, will no doubt indulge in ourselves this Christmas time. He lived an exemplary life and yet he had this growing, gnawing conviction that even his life lived to the standards that he lived it wasn't good enough for God. He had this gnawing conviction that he wasn't good enough and he was working this through with his understanding of God. If God is good and just, and therefore as a just God, he judges us on our merits. And if we're not good enough, we're in trouble. Luther reached the startling conclusion that the primary thing we should grasp of God is that he's not just. God is amazingly, generously, gratuitously generous. He doesn't treat us as our lives merit. When no one is good enough to merit presence with God, God doesn't count that against us. Such is his love for us that God prepares in his heart to pardon us anyway. This was the thinking that Luther arrived at by 1517. And since then, since then, that day, Luther's thinking has shaped Western thought with that very conviction. Human life before God is not to store up merit points in the hope that we might attain to heaven. Human life is admitting our moral incapacity and calling on God for his help. That was at the heart of the transformation of the thinking that we might call Salvatore Mundi. 
We can't bully or cajole or persuade God. We can't buy his favor. Salvation is initiated top down. And Luther reasoned that every single one of us is in need of Salvatore Mundi, the savior of the world, just as every single one of us is in need of air to breathe. Interestingly, just as an aside, that's why Protestant Christianity isn't really concerned with morality. No one is good enough to merit God's salvation. Although uh, it should be said that morality is important as a stabilizing influence and power in the sphere of politics uh, and sociology. But Christianity argues that there's a deeper complexity that lurks beneath the surface of each and every one of us. It's underneath the outward presentation of our behavior. And one of the reasons why I wanted you to to meet, as it were, uh, Henry and Ange, and, and there are so many others in this church, and indeed in churches around this city and across this nation throughout the world, there are people who are encountering Jesus Christ for themselves afresh today, not just remembering him as a baby 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, but recognizing that they can't get to God for themselves. And in that simple call to him, Salvatore Mundi, the savior of the world, reaches out to them in his grace, in his generosity, in his help, and in his power. That is what, in some way, if you have more time to chat to Henry, to Ange, and to others, that is what they're saying is their current day experience of God through Jesus Christ. That's the message of Christmas. That God came among us in a form that we could recognize. Jesus Christ as a human being pointing us back to God. And the good news is this. That in order to get to know God in this way, you don't have to fork out $450 million. You don't need to bid for it. You simply need to ask. And although this salvation cost our Savior, Jesus Christ, everything, it comes to us for free. That is the good news of Christmas. That's the good news of Christian faith in God through Jesus Christ for every single one of us here. And I'd love to encourage you, if I may, to explore that for yourselves. Again, on the every other seat, there was a little uh, sort of save the date wallet card for our next Alpha course. And describing how when she came here on an Alpha course on a Wednesday evening, it starts middle of January next year, she felt like she'd come home. And we'd love, as it were, to invite you home. Maybe you're exploring these things for the first time. Or maybe like Ange and Henry, that God had felt distant for a while. Uh, and you want to reconnect, as it were, then Alpha is for you. And maybe you can't wait until January. I, I've got a, a number of these little booklets here, written by Nikki Gumbel, who is the author of the Alpha course itself. Uh, these little booklets are entitled, Why Christmas? It, it explains the significance of Christmas to Christians uh, and how it is that we can reconnect with God 
through Jesus Christ. I'd love to give you this booklet. If you'll come and find me in the, in the melee over the mulled wine and spiced juice afterwards uh, and a mince pie, I'd love to give you one of these books. I've got a few of them. If that will help you in the next few weeks to think about your faith and explore things further. But for now, if I may, can I wish you a very happy Christmas and a really joyful New Year. <laughs>